Amen. All right. Also, the Forsyths are going up there to the northwest or northeast. Which one is that? East or west? Northwest territory? Yeah. Anybody else going on a mission trip that we didn't mention? We want to make sure we... Who? Nikki. Where's she going? Venezuela. Wow. The Gings and the Hills are all going, but they don't count because they're always on a mission trip. You know, they, they're always on a prayer list, but now they do. We, so it's really an honor to get to be a part of stuff that the Lord's doing, you know, uh, helping people to get more equipped like that school and uh, then people going out to the nations and and even into the neighborhoods. That's really just an honor to get to be a part of, I think. You know, sometimes we just think about church about what you do on Sunday, but that's just a very minor, it's an important part, but it's it's really just a little part. It's worth, you know, because there's a lot more hours in the week than just a couple of hours on Sunday, right? Right? Yeah. Amen. Right. Come on. So we want to be Christians all the time, everywhere, doing some really good stuff. Amen? So I wanted to share this before I give my message this morning. I want to share this dream I had because I think it's four people in the room. And uh, how many people know who John Kilpatrick is? <laughs> well, for those who don't, back in the 90s there was a, a revival in, called the Brownsville Revival in Florida at a church. And it went on for a few years, and he was the pastor of that church. It was really a tremendous revival. A lot of people were saved in this revival, and it was, you know, like lots of revivals. It was wild and out of control. <laughs> Don't you love that? Amen. I love the wild, you know, out of control from man's perspective, but God's got control of everything. But anyways, they, let, he, they had that revival. It went on for a few years. I'm not exactly sure how many. Several of us went down there a couple times. And, but anyway, the revival came to an end as most revivals do. And um, now there's another revival that John Kilpatrick is actually leading called the Bay Revival. I don't know if you all have heard of that revival, but it's sort of a mobile revival that he goes to different cities. And I've not really, I don't know too much about that revival. I do know a lot of people have been healed and saved in that move of God. It's a real move of God. Uh, so what the dream was, I dreamed, in the dream, I was, it was 1999, and I was looking at these documents, and it was a, documents of a business, not a Christian business, but just a business, and John Kilpatrick was the, was the president of the business, and in the dream I said, wow, I didn't know he was a, a president of a company, you know, and then I woke up. And then I thought, wow, this guy led a revival, then the revival stopped, and then he was a president of a company, and then, there's an, that, then, then he's, now he's leading another revival. I don't think he was literally a president of a company. I didn't do any research. But this is what I do know the Lord told me. This was a dream of two things. One, it's a dream of hope for people. Because, you know, if you ever have been a part of any kind of move of God and it comes to an end, it's probably one of the most difficult things if you have bought into that move of God and you're intricately involved in it. It's really hard to see a move of God come to an end. Uh, and it's hard to see any kind of ministry come to an end. It's, it's heartbreaking, really. Uh, so I believe it's one, it's a hope for people who've lost anything 
You know, anything that you've lost, God is saying there's hope for you today. That He wants to release a hope in your heart that there's a future for you, there's a hope for you, and that God has a plan to restore and to give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Amen. The second thing, though, the Lord said, I feel like the Lord showed me about this, was it's also a dream of favor. You see... Not only, you know, it wasn't just like he had this revival and then he just went and just lived uh, a bad life, okay, in between the, the revivals. He had favor on him in the meantime. And even though it may have been in another arena, you know, for him, another arena would have been business, uh, but, it was, but he had favor on him to be the president of business. So I believe God wants to release favor for people where you're at right now. In your life, your situation, even though you might be living, not living your dream or you may have lost your dream, but right now there's favor available for you to, be, to prosper where you're at today and be blessed today. And then when the time comes for God to bring you into, a, into the thing, that the desire of your heart, the dream of your heart, you'll have that favor that day too. How many people just, feel like that speaks? Then why don't you stand up so I can just pray for you? Because I believe, I believe it's available you know, from the Lord. I've been having some dreams lately, uh, a lot of really powerful dreams. Yeah. I had this, I'll tell you about why you're standing here. I'll just get you standing, get your blood flowing. I had this other dream this, this week. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I had this dream, and I had a little plot of land that was from heaven that I was standing on. And the grass that I was standing on actually was lavender-colored grass. You know, lavender sort of a girl color, but it's, it's also a heavenly color. And it wasn't, and it would be like grass that God would sow. In other words, it wasn't a rectangle or square. It was just sort of just, you know, random. Like, look at the trees out there, how God plants. We plant trees in a, in a line, and God plants them all over the place. He just, like, slings seed, and they come up where they will. That's the way the grass looked. And the atmosphere around me was just like, it was heaven. It was beautiful. It was full of color and full of life and full of just energy. And I was looking at the grass and I thought, this has got to really be good for you uh, because it's from heaven. So I think I'm going to eat two blades of it. I didn't Because it wasn't a huge spot. Maybe it was about the size of an automobile. I was sort of wanting to conserve my, my grass from heaven. So I picked two blades of the grass and ate them. And when I did, it was like my mind opened up to the full potential of a human mind that none of us have ever really experienced. Suddenly I was, I had this uh, wonderful understanding about everything and creativity was flowing. I could solve any problem. I, I could know anything. It was like literally the mind of Jesus got fully expressed in me. Isn't that powerful? And I, and, but this is the cool thing. I looked down at the grass and the piece where I ate it, it had expanded. It had grown. You know, and I believe the Lord wants us to know that there is just no limit in His kingdom. And I think He also wants to tell people this morning, there, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, there's no such thing as failure. It doesn't matter how much you have failed in Christ, in His kingdom, there's no such thing as failure because he's a, He redeems all things. He turns all things to work for our good. He makes success out of failure. He makes the possible out of the impossibility. That's what he does. And, and we don't have to live a, a poverty mindset. 
where we think, oh, I've only got this little piece of ground and I've got to protect it and I'm going to eat two little blades of grass and that's all I can do because I don't have enough. But when we begin to consume and take into ourselves what God has given us and releasing it, it expands. It grows because the kingdom is, is expanding and growing. And God really does want to give people fresh hope about their future. And He really does want to give you favor right now where you're at in your life even if it's not the thing you really that burns and hungers in your heart, he's still saying, but I can make you the president of a company in the meantime. You know, I can bless you in the meantime until the day comes when I'm ready to bring you back in or bring you into this new thing. So raise your hands to the Lord. Father, we just believe. We believe in hope, Lord. We believe in the hope of your calling. We believe that God is the God of all hope, Lord. We believe that you said one of the greatest things there is is hope. And Lord, today, we believe if anywhere you're at, you're releasing hope. You said we have a future and a hope. Lord, I can just declare that this morning. I believe that's what you're saying to us today, that we have a future and a hope. We have something that you're going to give us. We're going to, you're going to bless us. And those who've lost loved ones, those who've lost things that are dear to them, ministries, Lord, gifts, Lord, no matter what it is, finances, no matter what it is, Lord, people who have lost things, God, you're a God who restores. And, Lord, we're declaring over your people today restoration, Lord. Lord, we refuse to live in poverty. We refuse to live in defeat, Lord. Because you're a God of love. And love overcomes, Lord. And Lord, you're a God of favor. That as we wait on your restoration, as we wait on that new day, we'll walk in favor today. Lord, we'll be blessed today. Our favor is not for just tomorrow, but it's for right this moment. And Lord, I pray when people go out of here today that something would start happening. When they go to work tomorrow, when they go into their homes, or wherever they go, there'll be a shift, Lord. And like Ruth said, she was sitting there, Lord, starving. And she said, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to a field, and I'm going to find favor there. And she got up, and she went to the field of Boaz, Lord, the richest man in town. And she married him. That's favor. God wants us to know that. Amen? All right. Thank you, Lord. Now I've messed my voice up. I hope everybody's okay. Ooh, I'm tired now. <laughs> All right, here's what I want to just talk briefly to you, okay? And what I want to talk to you about is, well, I have a title of this message. It's called Rhythms of Grace. All right, now, why I want to talk to you about this is because sometimes in life we, life is a rhythm. That's the way I look at life. Everything's a rhythm, you know, for as a musician, they understand rhythm, but we all really do understand rhythm. And sometimes you can get out of rhythm in life, right? Sometimes life throws things at you that throw you out of rhythm. You know, if you play any kind of sports or any of that kind of thing, you'll know that rhythm is really important to be successful in what you're doing. And, and sometimes we just get off 
in our life. Or sometimes things happen and we don't, we don't realize we're out. We're out of rhythm. And what God wants to do is help people live in rhythm with Him. Okay? <clears throat> That's really the key. Um, I want to read this scripture. It says, don't be carried away with various and strange doctrines. Well, that's, that's pretty good, right? For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So grace is the thing that God wants to establish our heart in, okay? That's, that's the main thing. That's what it says. That grace is how our heart is supposed to function. The Message Bible says that little phrase, the grace of Christ is the only good ground for life. That's, that's pretty good, isn't it? Um, Paul describes grace in many places. Uh, in Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, he describes grace as being strengthened or governed by the power of God in your, whole, in your inner man. That's what he describes grace to be. Being strengthened and, or governed by the power of God in your inner man so that Christ might dwell in your heart. In other words, Christ might be at home in your heart and live in your heart. And so what grace really does for a person who's really walking in a revelation of grace is grace puts Christ at the center of your life. Now, that's what it really does. That's the bottom line. And see, for us to really live our lives the way God ordained our lives to be, He wants Christ to be at the center and not us or not something else. Grace is, is a power, okay? Uh, if you go back and study all the moves of God in history, all the revivals, and in the Bible, all of them came about because God poured out an extraordinary grace on people. Every one of them. God just did something. He poured out this extraordinary grace on people. And what happened over time is the people began to forsake the very grace that God gave them. In other words, they be, began to engage in trying to keep this move of God going or, or correct this move of God or adjust this move of God. And it, it basically set aside the grace of God. That's Galatians 2.21, that we can literally frustrate or set aside the grace of God as far as we're personally concerned. And whole moves of God have been set aside. Not that God wanted them to set them aside, but because people begin to frustrate His grace. Okay? Are y'all following this? So, what we had to do, we had to realize in our own lives, many times we frustrate the grace of God in our lives. We don't realize that we're not out intentionally trying to set aside grace from working in our life. Nobody's looking to sit on the throne of their life and be self-focused and, and live your life based on yourself versus based on Him. But we do it all the time. Um, grace is such an important part of the New Testament. Revelations twenty two twenty one, which is the last verse in the Bible, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's the ending of the Bible. So you think the last thing that God wrote down for us, it'd be like, well, I'm going to take, say this one last thing because I really want you to get this one last thing and to remember this one last thing. Uh, it's really the, the key to the Christian life I've, I've discovered in my own life. Uh, years ago, in the 1980s, I was in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, doing business. And, uh, well, I was doing somebody else's business for them, but I was there. But, you know, sometimes you, when God speaks to you, you can 
remember exactly where you are. Y'all, anybody know what I'm talking about? I can go back to that moment. I was sitting in a rental car, driving a rental car, coming back from from eating supper, and I was listening to Chuck Swindoll preach on the radio. And Chuck Swindoll said this, the seven most important words in the New Testament, or in the Bible, and then they had a commercial, you know how they do, you know. And then he came back and he read this uh, verse, John 15, verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Now here's the seven most important words in the Bible. For without me you can do nothing. Now let's say that together. For without me you can do nothing. And those words sunk into my heart that day. For the first time... I think we all in this room would intellectually agree with that. I'm not sure everybody in this room can really say that you agree in your heart with that because the reason I was able to agree with that is because God was speaking to me. Chuck Swindoll wasn't speaking to me. My mind wasn't speaking to me. God was speaking into my heart something that was profound and that would be, be, launch me into a journey of coming into what living a life of grace really is all about. And that really is the foundations of that life. Is apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. Period. So, I'm going to read Matthew 11, 28 through 30 now. <clears throat> I'm, sort of, this is, I'm reading this out of the Message Bible. This is where I got that word, rhythms of grace. This is what Jesus said. Are you tired worn out, burned out on religion. You can take that word religion, you can put anything you want to in there. It doesn't have to be just religion. It can be anything. Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. A tired person looks at this, and they, they hunger for it. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Burned out on anything. Anything can become legalistic to us. Some of the most precious things there are, like we talked about missions earlier. Missions can become legalistic. Revival, one of the most greatest dreams of my life is to be part of revival. That can become legalistic. Uh, as we all know, reading the Bible, prayer, church attendance, giving of offers, all, anything, anything, anything can become legalistic to us, become a religious joke to us. What grace has done in my life is it, like I say, it's a rhythm. It has kept me to help me to stay in tune with what the Father is doing. That's the, the thing that has helped me because we can get out of tune with God and do good things. We can get out of tune and be reading the Bible out of tune. We can be doing missions out of tune. We can be praying out of tune. We can be fasting out of tune. We can be doing lots of good, but we can be feeding the, the poor out of tune. And one of the things that in my life that I've found is, uh, you know, I've been running for years, and I've ran with different people over the years. I can't stand running with other people. 
and here even even people I love because they don't run at the same pace that I run at. Even like with Becky, who's a very slow runner in my opinion. Well, she used to be. Now I'm slow with her, but I used to run with Becky, and I would try to run with her at her pace. And I literally, by the end of the run, I could not keep up with her because I was exhausted trying to run at a pace that I wasn't. It was out of, I was out of my rhythm. You know, when Grace, when Grace became a runner, she soon left me in the dust. It was humiliating. So I just quit running with her, period, because I couldn't stand my daughter just walking away from me running. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. It wasn't. She was just a couple steps ahead. I mean, she was out of sight ahead, you know. So, and then there's some people you run with, they, they don't, they have a very, uh, uh, they're speeding up and slowing down constantly. It's not like they run a mile and then they kind of, you know, breathe a bit. And then pick back up. And I thought, you know, every ten steps are changing speed. But to them, that's that's natural. That's their natural rhythm. Well, that's the way grace has worked in my life. It's helped me to to stay in rhythm with the Father, what the Father's doing. And and I begin to notice I'm out of rhythm with Him when I begin to get stress feeling in my life. When I begin to get anxious feeling or or short or frustrated, is I'm getting out of rhythm with the rhythm that the Father has for me. One of the great grace verses in the Old Testament is Isaiah 40, verse 31. And I actually may have told them the New King James. I'm going to read it out of the message. It's pretty close, but it says it a little bit different. It says, Those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. We were talking about soaring a while ago. They spread their wings. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. So that's really, to me, a beautiful picture of our lives as a believers. Each one, each, there's four things in that. There, there's waiting, there's soaring, there's running, and there's walking. And it's like all four of those are a part of our Christian life. Is There's going to be times when we wait. Now, Jesus said, he explained what waiting was. He said, Come to me. See, that's what waiting really is. Waiting is not sitting around doing nothing. Jesus said waiting is, is coming to me. He, he explained it so beautifully in that passage. Get away with me. That's what biblical waiting really is. Get away with me. Uh, I'll show you how to take a rest. I'll show you how to do this thing. What, then, But then he goes on. Um, and I'll get that in a minute. So there's that aspect of our life where God calls and sometimes in every day of your life you may have all four of those things happening but there's seasons of our life where God may say to you you know what is you just need to get away with me right now this is the season for you and me all this other stuff you was doing why don't you you know gracefully back off you know uh Tom Tomas and Rebecca are getting married uh everybody give them a big hand Saturday so one of the things we told them, doing the, like trying to help them premarital counseling and stuff, we were asking them what they were all involved in ministry-wise, and we were saying, you know, you need to not be doing some of these things. Well, that's kind of hard for a pastor to tell people that are really serving in the church not to stop doing them. But the whole purpose is stop doing those because your marriage is important to you the first year, and either you're going to put into that marriage this first year or five years down the road when it really costs you, you're going to have to do these things. So why don't you all just kind of do a minimal little bit of thing and all this other stuff. Just set it aside for a season. 
and focus on, on your marriage. Sometimes God calls us to that. And I think any times when we go through life and we get thrown out of the rhythm of grace, the first thing that people always want to do is they want to get back to what they were doing. You know, and that's the worst thing that we could tell people. Don't get back to what you were doing because Jesus said, don't come and do this ministry anymore. He says, come to me. Okay, that's really where, where God, that's his purpose is to call us to himself first. That's why I say grace is Christ-centered because it, he's always calling us back to himself, not calling us back to doing something. That's important. I'll show you just a second. That's really important to do. But if we don't have this thing where we're called back to Him, then our lives will stay messed up. And so we see a lot of Christians who they were being used by God or they were involved in a move of God and they get off somewhere. Things quit working and they struggle to get back to that place where God was using or struggle to get back to that flow of the Spirit they were in and they are messed up. They're never the same again. And eventually those people drift from God because they didn't do the thing that Jesus says. Come to me. That's why I say grace always will make your life Christ-centered. Because you will always go back to this person, not to something else. And until we learn how to get back to that person, our lives will stay out of that rhythm. It'll keep, we'll keep flopping around. We'll keep being messed up. We'll think the hope that the thing, the dream that God's going to give us is going to fulfill us, and we'll never get there to the dream again. We'll never get there to it. Are y'all on that? So that's waiting is keeping company with Jesus and, and letting him teach us again and, and reveal himself to us in fresh, fresh ways. That's really one of the main things that I see God doing in people's lives right now because I see God dealing with people's hearts. You know, we tell people this crazy thing, and I'm not saying it's 100% wrong, but I think there's some error in it as we use it as a general answer. People who say, I'm not hearing the Lord. What was the last thing he said to you? I'm not sure that's always the right thing to say to a person. I'm thinking, well, you know, the best thing you can do is, is do this. Go back to Jesus himself. Forget what Jesus was saying. Forget all that. You've got to get back to this person of Christ. You've got to get back to him being the focus in your life. Not what he was saying, not what he was doing in your life. Just get back to him. And if you get back to him, things can get put in order in your life. It's not that God's not interested in those things. But he's more interested in this engagement, in vital connection with you and him, with he and you. It's really the truth. So then there's the soaring part. Soar like an eagle is like the dream that's my personal dream. That's the part I like the most. That's the spiritual part. That's being in the Spirit. Okay? But here's the key about being in the Spirit. If God's saying, no, wait, quit trying to be in the Spirit. Just wait. Just do what He asks you to do. Don't try to pursue anything but Him. Okay? And then one day you'll wake up like, hey, I'm in the flow. Hey, I'm hearing voices from heaven. Hey, God has given me dreams and visions. You know, I'm getting stuff all the time. I'm reading people. I'm picking up stuff off of people. I'm hearing what God's doing in people's lives. You know, but if we haven't done that other thing, it might not work so good. And then, you know, it says they'll run. Run speaks of ministry. It speaks of doing. It speaks of work. People, let me hear, let me 
Can you put the Matthew 11 back up there and let me show you that? He said, you know, come to me, get away with me. That's the way, you know, we're with the Lord. We're just enjoying, oh, no, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just with God. I'm having such a God time. I mean, you know, y'all do something else. I ain't, no, I can't do that right now. Now, that may be something for a, for a season, a period, a moment. Walk with me and what? Work with me. God is interested in people doing stuff. I hate to tell everybody this, but the first thing in the Bible was a commission to work. That's the truth. The first thing God ever said to people was, you got to do this. And Christians make, all, make grace and being with Christ some of the most stupid, idiotic things. Like, we ain't going to do nothing. That ain't grace. Because he just said, I mean, I want you to work with me. I'm doing stuff. Jesus is doing stuff. He has a specific thing for you and I to do. In other words, you ain't going to do what Matthew does. I'm not going to do what Don does. But if we're really walking in grace, we're going to be doing some of the works of Christ. There's just no way around it. And anybody who tells you otherwise, they don't really... They ain't, they, ain't, they ain't got back with Jesus and talked to him. They ain't hearing the voice of heaven. Because Jesus did say this, I only what do what my Father's doing. Are y'all okay with that? And then, of course, walking is just your everyday, day in and day out life as a believer. Day in and day out. And I'm going to tell you something. That's where grace really plays a, a huge role. It's because you need grace to do that. You know, you need grace just to live the Christian life. You know, just the basic, like, you need grace to read the Bible. I mean to really read it. You need grace to pray. You know, that's what it takes. It takes a power. It takes Him to empower us to do those things. And He wants to do that because He wants to pray. He loves reading the Word. He does it through us. So that grace enables us and, and energizes us. And so what we want to do is always stay in tune with what he's doing. Like I say, during the day, you could go through all four of those cycles. Many people do every day. You know, God will say, hey, take ten minutes. You know, have you ever had a Lord just say, well, just dial down for ten minutes. Be still. Soak or whatever. You know, and then, you know, 10 minutes is up. You know what I'm saying? You know, you had your moment of this being with him, and now you're, you're back walking, you're back moving, you're back doing whatever he's asked you to do. Or you could go through seasons of life. I made Grace and Michael man. They're taking the baby away from us. <laughs> All right. Here's the one thing I wanted to say about Grace, because <clears throat> I'm going to be through here soon because it's Mother's Day. And Becky's told me, you shall be through soon. <laughs> Here's a, this is something I think that we need to learn about. Is I don't think Grace asked God to bless what you're doing. In other words, we come up with these concepts. I'm going to do such that, Lord, will you bless, you know, will you bless church? Will you bless the worship? Will you bless the preacher? Will you bless this? Will you bless it? How about 
Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> and when you, well, this is what I'm doing. Right now, I'm just, I'm just worshiping. I'm in, I'm in the praise. Well, daggone, that's what we're doing. And when we begin to do that, it's not like we're trying to get God to do something. We're doing what He's doing. And we're enjoying what He And then, you know what? I think you can ask whatever you want. Because once you're in Him, I know some of you didn't like that. Okay, but I'm sorry. I believe when we're walking in Christ, we can say, well, whatever we feel, you know. Well, the Lord said He's praising, we're praising, we're connected with Him. Well, how we want to praise? We want to yell? Go ahead and yell then. You want to be quiet? Well, be quiet then. You know? That's what real freedom is, is when we're connected into Him. Well, so I know we've got to grow in that. But I do think we, a lot of Christians, are constantly saying, Lord, what's your will for my life? What are you doing about this? And that's the wrong question. I really believe that's the wrong question. The question is, Lord, what are you doing already? And show me what you're doing so I can get in with you and do what you're doing. And that just eliminates a lot of confusion in your life. And I know you're going to be tempted, like, well, what about the future? Right? I mean, I was asking the Lord, like, man, I've been doing this pastoring stuff a long time, Lord. You got any other planning in my future? Because you don't seem to be talking to me about it. And I remember, well, if he's not talking about it, there's no use in me talking to him about it. But when he starts talking to you about it, that's when you start talking to him about it. So you just say, well, he ain't talking about it. We're just going to keep doing what we've been doing until he starts talking. And they see, that's how grace works, because grace will let you know when you're getting out or you're running out of the grace. It's like a gasket light. You know, light comes on. It's time to do something with your car. Are y'all following this? All right, let me read this one more. I got two more scriptures. And the next one is Galatians 3 5. This is about the miraculous and the breakthroughs, because grace is intimately involved in that. And we all desperately need miracles. We all desperately need breakthroughs in our life. And this is what Paul said to the Galatians. Uh, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit, and according to Hebrews 10.29, I think it's 10.29, the Spirit is called the Spirit of grace. So we could say, he who supplies the Spirit of grace to you and works miracles among you, see, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, the Spirit of grace, that's why I'm saying you can get into legalism about praying for the sick. Where you're just striving to see God heal somebody, and it's the Spirit of grace that does it. You, that really, you, all you're doing is you're a vessel. You're tapping into the Spirit of grace to do what He already wants to do. You're not trying to get God to heal somebody who's sick. I mean, that's idiotic when you think about it because God already wants to heal them. And so we're striving away and we're, and we're in the way. We're, we're causing problems in the spiritual realm. We're causing disconnects instead of believing, well, the Lord already wants to heal them. I'm going to let the Spirit of grace flow through me to do what He you know, wants to do. It's really powerful. So it is the spirit of grace that works, that does miracles, brings breakthroughs in our life. In the Bible, if you really study the New Testament, one of the great things was there was this revival in this city in the book of Acts, I think Acts 4, and it says that when the apostles went, they saw, they saw the power of God on the people and they saw the grace of God on the people. In other words, God was releasing His grace towards these people and His power was being manifested. Grace and power always work together because grace is a power. And we try to divide them out. Say, well, you got the Holy Spirit here and you got the grace here. It's not, you can't do that. 
You know, your Christian life comes from a source of grace. Are y'all following this? All right, the last thing I wanted to say, I'm just throwing out scriptures that are very meaningful to me in my Christian life. Uh, you know, and anytime you go through a season, getting back to the person of Christ is really key. Getting back to Him is the number one, the first thing to get back into that waiting mode, not immediately try to jump out and do a bunch of stuff. And that's really what the Lord showed me to do. And it's really awesome because you get liberated, you get free, and you did, you know, I think I shared with you last week, it's like you went, I went from a three on the spiritual, connecting into the spiritual realm to an eight immediately. It was like once I said, I'm focusing on this person and begin to talk to this person, reach out to this person, I found out he was already reaching out to me and within a very short period of time, all of a sudden I'm back, wow, I've been, I haven't been in the spirit lately compared to now. I'm back to where I'm supposed to be. You know, back to where there's this flow of divine information flowing, which is, I've told you so many times, it's flowing right now in this room, but we're not connected to it. Okay? But God wants to connect us with us. It's, it's His grace that connects us. It's not what we do. It's not striving. Anyways, let me just read this Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, these are just so great scriptures, man. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We could just, just stand up and cheer on that. If we really grasped how awesome and beautiful that, those words are, that we have peace with God. Period. It doesn't matter if you thought something bad or did something bad. You got peace. And when we start believing that, your life will change. I don't care who you are. There is peace available for you this morning with God. Total peace. God's not sitting around with a, a list in His hand saying, well, you did these things, therefore you have no peace. Not whatsoever. That's not even on God's thoughts. We have peace with God right this second. And we can walk in that peace and enjoy that peace and let that peace protect us and guard us the way it's supposed to. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. All right, through whom, listen to this, we have access by faith. Now, this is really key, right? Into this grace in which we one day will stand. And that's the way most people read it. It doesn't mean one day you're going to be in grace. It says you are in grace. You're in it right now. And here's what your problem is. And here's what my problem is. We don't believe that. We don't realize God has already placed us in the center of grace. We are in grace today. We are walking in grace today. We have access to grace today. We have total access to it. We have total access to every manifestation of grace there is. The problem is you don't have that access with your human thinking. You don't have it with theology. You don't have it with what you do. You don't have it with any of that. You have it by revelation. You have it when God reveals to your heart you have it. And that's what we believe. I'm, me and Becky believe this. We believe at least, and this is being nice, 75 of the believers today don't have a, re a real revelation of grace. Don't, and that's being nice. I'm thinking it's probably up in around 90%. Is that most Christians 
have a revelation of salvation grace, but once they're saved, it's like, get with the program, pal. You know, and you know, you better straighten up and you better do this, this, and this, and you spend your life like that when you're not supposed to. You're working against. You're doing what Paul said in 2.21, Galatians 2.21. You're, you're setting aside, you're frustrating the grace of God in your life. We're in grace. We're in grace. We are already connected to Jesus Christ. We have total access to Him. We have total access to everything He's done. Total. But we don't believe that, therefore we don't access it. Now, we had to grow in it because there's another place that says grow in grace. We had to understand there's different manifestations of grace. It says that in another, Peter, I think Peter said those two things, grow in grace, there's different manifestations of grace, manifold grace of God. So there's these different areas of grace that work in our lives. But the main thing that I feel for this church is the first step, come to me. If I could say to anybody right now, if I was going to give a generic answer, if somebody came, what should I do? Go to Jesus. You need to go and you need to get to know Jesus in a fresh way. You need to, and don't worry about everything else in the world. Just do the things that God's called you to do. You know you've got to do certain things. Just go do them. But in the meantime, in your heart, go find this person again. Find this relationship with this person again. Like he said, come and come to me. I'm going to show you some things. I'll begin to teach you how to do it in this day. I'll get you back connected in with the flow. I'll get you back connected in with the rhythms of your life that you're supposed to be living instead of all this other bull stuff you're doing trying to get me to do whatever you want me to do do you know why don't you let me come to me and i and everything's just going to happen it's going to work out in your life because of a relationship and a connection y'all ain't getting this are y'all just looking at me like i'm just crazy well i'm preaching to myself because i'm just telling you what i'm saying to you this morning works and it don't work just in the bible it works in my life or i wouldn't be sitting up here saying this to you this is the truth and you and I can walk in a lot more than we're walking in. You know, when we begin to start believing the truth that God has, has given us and that He has done it, and He's just saying the seven most important words, just remember that. Apart from Him, you can't do nothing. In other words, anything you do apart from Him, it's just going to be a mess. It's just going to be a mess. And guess who's going to clean up the mess? You are. You know? You're going to create messes, and God's going to say, go clean the mess up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? As one good preacher said one time, boy, I can't afford no more Ishmaels because I have I've gone broke supporting my Ishmaels. <laughs> you know? And that's a guy who got out of, out of the grace of God. He created an Ishmael, and then the Lord said, well, won't you support that boy for a while? Unfortunately, we're supporting him today. I mean, we're still having to mess with our the father of Abraham, you know, Father Abraham's terrible mistake. Amen. Are y'all all right? So I want you to stand up and let me just pray over you for a deeper revelation of God's grace in your life. Wherever you may be in your life and however you may feel in your life about where you stand with it. God always wants to draw us into Himself. 
and show us new things about himself. You know, Jesus really is like a diamond. He's got a lot, a lot of faces. And, and, you know, he's just, we'll never really get to the end of seeing new things about him. Probably for all eternity. And I think I want to just encourage you this morning. If you're in a mess in your life or if you've been through a mess, I know everybody has really. Is I, the answer is, is coming to me. That's the real, the real answer. It's not trying to do better or come up with a new vision or a new plan and all that stuff. Oh, that's great. I mean, that'll come forth. But it just, I just want to encourage you today to go come unto Jesus, to go unto Him. Listen to Him and let Him really do what only He can do in your life. I think Romans 11, 29, 11, 36, or something like that says, all things come from Christ, and all things come through Christ, and all things go back to Christ. So really in the end, everything, He's the center of everything. It's all Him. And once we do that, we can get into this rhythm with Him, and we will know when to, to run. We will know when to walk. We will know when to soar. We will know when to wait. All that will just be a flow in your life. And your life will flow so much and so much better and be so so much less hindrance within. You will have problems out here, but within you will be at rest and you'll be happy. You'll be happy. God's gonna He wants to make you happy in your life. So Father, blessed are those is what you said, which means happy. Thank you for that. And so I wanna just release that this morning for people, that revelation of grace on this Mother's Day. Lord, this, you're such a graceful God. And you love us and you want us to enjoy all that Jesus Christ has for us. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Lord, we can never thank you enough. I pray for everybody in the room that would catch this this morning. They would catch it, Lord. They don't have to understand, but they would just catch it. All the arguments, Lord, and all the thoughts and all the resistance, all that, Lord, they could just somehow catch the truth. Just catch it, Lord. If there's a crack in the door, kick the door open. I promise you. If you see a crack in the door, kick it open. That's, that's what you got to do sometimes when God gives really. Oh, there's a crack. I say just a little bit. I'll kick the door open and keep going. Don't look back. Just keep going. Keep going. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just pray for everybody right now, Lord. I pray you'd bless them. I pray they'd have a great Mother's Day. Lord, we want to bless the mamas. Thank you, Lord. I told Becky yesterday, we were talking about our mother's love, and we read some signs. I said, really, the truth is, mother's love is an expression of God's love. A mother's love, it's, it's just an expression of God loving us. And Thank you, moms, for being moms. And We love you. We want to honor you. And we know it's hard to be a mama. For some, of, some ladies, it is. Because y'all had kids like Palmer and... <laughs> Me, you know, we we gave our mamas a hard time, but I really want to say we love the mamas, and I believe the church would just be a mess if there was no moms. So, we wanted to pray for people this morning for healing, uh, for deliverance.